ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى اله وسلم تسليما كثيرا انذيروا بريزت والله بريزنج فيكس ايدن اسكس فورجيفنس ان فيك ريفيج اوف الله with the evils of ourselves and the evils of our deeds. He whom Allah guides, none can misguide. And he whom Allah misguides, none can guide. And I bear witness and testify that there's no deity, Lord, worthy of worship besides Allah, Alhamdulillah, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave and his final messenger. To proceed by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, today we're going to talk about the famous hadith known as the hadith of Umm Zara. And this particular hadith <coughs> is found in Bukhari and Muslim and other sources as well. It is an extremely authentic narration. And um, this narration has received a lot of attention from the people of knowledge. And some of them have even يعني, written specifically and authored with the intent of bringing out and exposing its benefits and highlighting them. And uh, Al-Hasid ibn Hajar rahimahullah ta'ala has uh, gathered a lot of the explanations of those that preceded him from the people of knowledge and the benefits that they brought in Al-Fatih, the explanation of Al-Bukhari. And uh, he as well mentioned some of those additional benefits that he brought therein. And it is a hadith that highlights some of the affairs of men with women and women with men and shows how the Prophet wasallam used to be with his family and it highlights a a, an aspect or an angle of that family life that he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, led so successfully. And surely therein is a good example and a lofty role model for the Muslims to follow and attempt to mimic. So to begin, Al-Imam al-Bukhari, rahimahullah ta'ala, he placed this hadith under the chapter heading Babu Husnim Mu'asharati Ma'al-Ahl Chapter on Good Companionship with One Family Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha narrates She said Eleven women sat down Sat together And they promised one another Ta'ahadna wa ta'aqadna That they shall not hide anything from the affairs of their husband. So the first one said, زوجي نحم جمل غص على رأس جبل In a Muslim version, رأس جبل وعري لا سهل فيرتقى ولا سمين فينتقل In a Imam Muslim's copy, فينتقى in one version. She said, the first of these women, my husband, is the meat of a skinny camel. 
on top of a mountain in Sahih Muslim, a difficult mountain, a rough mountain. It is not easy such that it can be climbed, nor is it fat meat such that it can be moved down or brought down. She basically described her husband with this praise. This is the first of the women that shall uh, criticize their husbands. And as we will see, some of the women in this narration will criticize their husband, and some will praise, and some will combine both praise and dispraise. So she said that her husband is like the flesh of a camel. Some of the people of knowledge, Shaykh Abdul Razak, mentioned that she specifically chose to liken him to the flesh of a camel because camel meat is one of the toughest types of meat out there. It is not soft and tender such as, for example, lamb or goat meat. So she's describing him as being tough and hard to benefit from. And additionally, she said, that means skinny or not fat meaning the meat that is being described here is not plenty of meat. Rather, it is a skinny camel. So it's very difficult to even extract that hard meat from it. And then she described the location. The location is on top of a mountain, at the very head or peak of a mountain. And in the other narrations, we have seen a difficult climb, a rough mountain. So, Although the benefit is puny, and the benefit is hard to digest and hard to chew on, likewise the path to it is rough terrain. So she's basically describing that the deal she got out of this husband is the bad end of a bargain. That this husband, it is difficult to extract anything out of him, and whatever you do extract at the end, it is going to be very puny. She said this is not easy such that it will be climbed, nor is it fat, meaning the meat, such that one can choose and pick from it. So whatever she gets from him is insufficient for her need. This is the first of the women that dispraised their husband. The second one said, زوجي لا she said, as for my husband, this is the second one, also this praise, I'm not going to broadcast his affair. I'm not going to make known and make public his situation. Why? She said, For indeed I'm afraid that I'm not going to leave anything Hidden, meaning I'm going to expose everything. Some of the people of knowledge commented here that she is referring to the fact that there is so much to talk about of his flaws and his mistakes and his problems that this is going to be a very long affair and she does not want to tire the listeners by going into this tirade. So she said, in summary, in Al-Qurhu, if I'm going to talk about him, then I'm going to mention the Ujar and the Bujar. Both these words are plural words. The Ujar 
is a reference to a flaw that basically leads to an inflammation in the veins of the neck. And bulgar is a, a plural word that refers to a flaw that is, uh, leads to the inflammation or the overgrowth of one's belly button. This is a reference to flaws that are apparent. That which is on the neck is obviously apparent. And flaws that are hidden, that which is on the belly button or that which is around the, the area of one's belly is hidden. So she's saying, if I'm going to speak about him, I'm going to expose his flaws that are known and public. Likewise, I'm going to expose the flaws that only a wife would know from her husband. So this woman is also <clears throat> dispraising her husband. The third one said, زَوْجِيَ الْعَشَنَّةِ إِنْ أَنْطِقْ أُطَلَّقْ وَإِنْ أَسْكُتْ أُعَلَّقْ The third one said, my husband is al-ashannaq. Al-ashannaq is one who is tall, but without any benefit. Meaning all there is to him is the height, but nothing that comes along with the height. Usually height is associated with intellect, associated with social standing, and increased earning potential, and so on. Yet in his case, this particular individual, she described him as ashannaq. He is one that has nothing to him but the height. And then she said, In antiq, utallaq. And should I speak up, I will get divorced. Meaning, if I open up my mouth and I speak to him, if I want to criticize, if I want to say anything, then the consequence is going to be that I will be divorced. in askut wa'ala. And if I remain silent, I will be Hanging. She described her affair with him is as hanging. Meaning that if she remains silent despite, despite the fact that there is that which needs to be spoken about and that which needs to be addressed, then she's going to be in a state of hanging. Hanging such as if she is suspended between the ceiling and the ground. She's neither here nor there. In other words, with him, she's not really happy and satisfied, she doesn't feel like she's on firm ground with him and that she's settled down. Nor at the same time is she divorced and free to go and look for another spouse. Rather, she's in limbo. She's in a state in the middle where she's neither here nor there. Again, this is this praise. She's the third one that is criticizing her husband. The fourth one said, زوجي كليل تهامة لا حظ ولا قر ولا مخافة ولا سآمة Now this one is praising her husband. This is great praise as some of the people of knowledge have mentioned. She described the husband to be the like of the night of the area of Tihama. Tihama is the area um, that is the flat expanse of land for the mountains of Al-Hijaz, <coughs> as I recall. <coughs> and uh, the night of Kihama is known to be pleasant night. Sheikh Abdul Razak, may Allah preserve him, 
he mentions that this particular area is that flat expanse of land between the sea, the Red Sea, and the mountains of the areas of Hijaz, such as Jeddah and Mecca and so on, and the mountains of Yemen. So she is describing her husband to be similar to the night of Tihama. She said, لا حر ولا قر Neither hot nor cold. Meaning, he is balanced. She does not experience from him neither of the two extremes of temperament. ولا مخافة ولا شآمة Neither is there reason to fear nor is there boredom. So with him, she's not afraid. He has given her no reason to be in worry, to experience anxiety, to be afraid. She is in comfort and stability. And despite everything being so normal and so pleasant, she added a benefit, she said, nor is there boredom. Because sometimes when things are very stable, people may fall into a state of adaptation to this routine and feel that it is boring, there is not enough excitement, there is not enough change. So she said neither is there boredom, meaning everything is pleasant and joyful at the same time with her husband. And she is describing him with great praise, that he is balanced in his ways, balanced in his approach, he is respectful to her, and he is... Um, leveled in his temperament and she has no reason to be in worry with him. The fifth one, she said, زوجي إن دفل فهد وإن خرج أشد ولا يسأل عما عقد From amongst the people of knowledge, are those who considered this particular lady to be from the praises, meaning she's praising her husband. And those who said that she is praising her husband, they took the first description to be that she is describing some of the noble characteristics of that animal that she referred to. In the Khalasahid, once she enters, he becomes like that animal known as Al-Fahd. And that is the Puma, or the Panther. A known animal. She is describing him to be like it, meaning in mobility and in good characteristics. And some of them, The people of knowledge said that this is actually a dispraise because when that animal returns back to its cave, its place of resting, all it does is sleep, nothing else. So some of the people of knowledge have said that she is actually dispraising and critiquing him for sleeping when he gets back home. However, <coughs> the second description she mentioned that if he leaves, he becomes like a lion. In Kharaja Ashid, meaning that once he leaves the house, he 
lives in a state of courage and he is strong and he has no weakness amongst his people. Again, this is a statement of praise and she is praising her husband for his social standing and how he interacts with others outside of the house. And the final thing she said, And he does not ask about the things he would notice have changed or have differed or have gone lost or astray, meaning when he comes home. This is from the pleasant descriptions of a husband, that he, when he comes back home, that he does not inspect everything and highlight the comments on it. Rather, he doesn't ask about that which used to be. So if something is missing, he will not question the wife about it. And if something is not working, he will not question the wife about it, and so on and so forth. Out of nobility and out of gentleness and kindness to her, he will refrain from this type of questioning or interrogation that would lead to a wife feeling awkward or feeling discomfort. So this is a statement of praise from this particular woman. The sixth one, she said, Zawji in akala laffa wa in shariba shtaffa wa in ittaja'a al-taffa wa la yuliju al-taffa liya'lam al-batta. This, the people of knowledge have said that this particular woman is also from those who are dispraising their husband. She has mentioned him with a great deal of criticism. And that she's in a tough situation, in a rough state with him. The first description she mentioned, in akala lassa. My husband, if he eats, he goes around. This is a reference to his hunger and his greed. Such that when he eats, he goes around the whole vessel, the whole crate, and he cleans it and wipes it out and takes everything for himself. He does not leave anything. So she is describing a state of greed that he is in. And what corroborates that meaning is the fact that she said right after that, and if he drinks, he goes to the very bottom of the drink, meaning he drinks to the very last drop. doesn't leave anything of it. So these two combined means what? That he is greedy, and that he is concerned with his belly, and does not have concern for others that may be present when he's eating. He's concerned with himself. <coughs> And he used to be common knowledge amongst the Arabs that one of the ways to dispraise someone and mention them with, with flaws is to say that their concern is their belly. All they can think about is food and drink. So she's dispraising this man with, with great criticism. And then she said, <coughs> And if she lays down, he wraps himself up. Meaning her husband, after eating and filling his belly, the next concern is sleep. So he goes to some corner of the house and he wraps himself around 
in some kind of blanket or the like, and he goes to sleep. So he has no concern, again, for his family, in keeping them company, or uh, lying down next to them and bringing them joy or happiness. Rather, he goes into this sort of solitude, and he is only concerned with getting the fill of his sleep. And the final thing she said, وَلَا يُلِجُ الْكَفَّةَ لِيَعْلَمَ الْبَسْرَ And he does not enter his palm to know my sadness. Meaning that he never puts his hand inside her clothing, such that if he were to do this, he would find out how sad she is. In meaning her life with him, that he doesn't give her attention, is not concerned with her eating and her drinking, is not concerned with her welfare, her well-being, is not concerned in spending time with her and giving her attention in the areas that are befitting for a man to give attention to his wife in. Some of the people of knowledge said that this particular statement, this last statement that he made, or that she made rather, is a reference to the fact that he has no strength in the matter of intimacy, that he doesn't have relations with his wife, and this is obviously amongst the Arabs as well, a a flaw and something that is uh, an extreme type of criticism to be leveled at anyone. The seventh one, she said, زوجي غايا ياؤ or عايا ياؤ طباقاء كل داء له داء this one is also dispraising her husband, criticizing him severely. She said, My husband is from Ray, a person who cannot find his way. He's always astray, always making the wrong decisions all the way, uh, failing to accomplish, and so on. Or, depending on the narration, from is ineptitude, being inept, being unable to accomplish. The meanings are very similar. This is a statement of criticism. Qabaqa'u is a reference to his foolishness. A foolishness that is muqbit meaning <clears throat> foolishness that has pretty much sealed his affairs and he has no escaping it. He cannot be advised to come out of it and he will not benefit from such advice. And every ailment of law is found in him. In other words, he's saying to them, let no law of men cross your mind except that I want you to know that it is found in him. She's saying, husband, every flaw of men is found in him. There's not a single flaw that will cross your mind except that my husband is suffering from it. And then she said, Shajjaki aw fallaki aw jama'a kullallaki. Shajj is to sustain an injury to the head. 
she said shajjaki. He will either hit you, meaning in the head, and cause you an injury in your head, cause you to bleed, or fallaki. Al-fall is to sustain an injury to the body, meaning he will hit you in your body and cause you to bleed. He will cause an injury to your body and you will bleed from there. Either you will bleed from your head or you bleed from your body. She said, or jama'a kullan laki. Or he will gather both of you, he will do both to you. He hit you in the head and hit you in your body, cause you to bleed, cause you to suffer. Meaning he is violent with her, and that if she speaks up, if she mentions any of his flaws, or attempts to guide him regarding his foolish ways, and <coughs> his ineptitude and inability to accomplish and get things done, then the outcome is that he will turn to her with violence and hurt her. She's in a rough situation with this man. The eighth one, she said, and she's actually praising her husband. She said, زوجي المس مس أرنب والريح ريح زرنب She said, my husband, his seal, if you were to touch him, is the seal of a rabbit. This is a reference to his cleanliness and his hygiene and how soft he is to touch and how smooth his skin is. And the second statement is his smell, his odor, is the odor of Zarnab. Zarnab, people of knowledge have mentioned that it is one or two things, either a particular type of perfume or a specific plant that has a pleasant smell to it. So she's saying from afar, he is pleasant before you touch him. The smell is already beautiful. And if you touch him, likewise, he is pleasant up close and from afar. The ninth one she said, زوجي رفيع العماد طويل النجاد عظيم الرماد قريب البيك من النادي My husband is long of poles. The pole which is being referred to here is the pole of a tent. She's saying long of poles, meaning the poles of his tent are long. And usually when tents are erected, the pole is proportional to the size of the tent, such as a small tent would have a shorter pole and a large tent would have a larger or longer pole. So she's saying his tents are large and he has large poles, very long poles, because his tents are large, meaning this is a reference to the fact that he is a generous man who loves to host and loves to have guests over. And so he constructs his tents in a fashion that is befitting of that which he is um, known for, of generosity and hosting people and offering food and the like. And this is a reference likewise to his wealth. She is describing her husband as being wealthy. She said, Awilun Nijad. The Nijad is a reference to that which holds the sword 
or that which hangs the scabbard of the sword, meaning that his nijad uh, long, meaning he is a tall man, because every man will wear that which is the fitting of his height to carry his sword. And this is something that the Arabs praise a man for having long nijad, is a reference to a man's size and his strength, and the fact that he's carrying a suitable sword for his size, a reference to his courage and his fearsomeness when it comes to the matter of defending honor, family, and tribe. The third description she mentioned, she said, <clears throat> that his ashes are great, tremendous, abundance of ashes. And the ashes are the reference to that which remains behind after the fire eats firewood. And the reason a man would have an abundance of ashes in his lodgings is because his fires are continuously burning. So she's basically saying that out of his generosity, he would leave the fire on and consistently feed it with more firewood in order that the fire would be seen even at night, such that travelers by night could see the fire from afar and know that someone is signaling that there are people here and that there is lodgings here and that if you come to us, we shall host you. So this is a reference to, again, his wealth, his generosity and his love for hosting people and extending hospitality and the fact that upon this fire, meat shall be roasted and bread shall be cooked. So this is a reference to a husband's generosity and his love of company and people. She said, finally, the fourth description, that his house is near to the Nad. And Nadi is <coughs> the gathering place of the people of a village or area where the, um, the leaders of a society and the who's who of it and its members usually gather and discuss the affairs that concern, you know, the village or the tribe or the family. And, you know, they discuss all the affairs that concern them. She said his house is near to the Nad. This is a reference to the fact that he is of importance and status amongst his people and that he is one that they do not reach decisions without consulting him and that he is of such status among them that he needs to be in close proximity such that he can be reached and that he can always accompany them in discussions of matters of importance and the like. So this one here, she is actually praising her husband. All of this is statements of praise. <clears throat> the tenth one, <clears throat> she said... زوجي مالك وما مالك مالك خير من ذلك له إبل كثيرات المبارك قليلات المسارح إذا سمعنا صوت المزهر أيقن أنهن حوالك She said my husband is Malik some of the people of knowledge have actually said this is her husband's name. 
And so this would be an exception to the rule in this hadith that none of them that mention their husband's name. But um, the other opinion is that, no, Malik is not his name. Rather, Malik, the word Malik here, is actually the reference to uh, the term owner. She's saying my husband is an owner, meaning he's an owner of assets. She said, what well, Malik? And what is Malik? And this is a style of speech found amongst the Arabs in which they will mention something and then say, and what is this? And then repeat the same word that they mentioned. This is a style of emphasis and glorification, of amplification, lending importance to the matter that is being referred to. And this style is actually even used in the Qur'an. Many times you'll find in the Qur'an statements from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in which he mentions something and then he says, and what have you knowledge of such and such? An example of that is the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, Al-Qari'ah, Mal-Qari'ah. And likewise the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Al-Haqah, Mal-Haqah, Wa ma adraka, Mal-Haqah. Both of these sets of verses refer to the Day of Judgment. And surely this is an affair worthy of being amplified and emphasized. However, the point here is that she's saying, وَمَا مَالِكُ And what is Malik? And then she says, مَالِكٌ خَيْرٌ مِنْ ذَلِكُ Malik is better than that. Better than what? She's referring to that which may have crossed their mind. Whatever it is that has crossed your mind, or my listeners, she's saying to them, and he is better than that. Or, if the reference is to ownership and assets, then she's saying, whatever you think he owns, then he owns even more than that, and he has more wealth, and his wealth is greater than what you have conceived, what you have imagined. And then she goes on to describe what it is that he owns. She says, لَهُ إِبِلٌ كَثِيرَاتُ الْمَبَارِكِ he has camels. And as you know, camels are considered some of the fanciest and loftiest of wealth that the Arabs used to own back then. So he had some of the most precious types of wealth. She said, his camel, kathiratul mubarik. A reference to, and mubarik is actually a plural, plural word, a reference to that the camels have many, many resting places. When, you know, a camel rests and goes on all four and hunkers down to the ground, it is called as, or it is described as barakat. So, she says, his camels have many resting places, a reference to the greatness of their numbers. She said, however, qalilatul masarih, they have few places to go and graze. This is a reference to the fact that a husband is both generous and has an abundance of guests coming over. And so he does not let his camels go out to graze too far and always likes to keep his camels nearby because at any given moment he will need to slaughter and cook the meat for his guests and offer them their hospitality. <coughs> and this is why she said, and this is her final statement, If they hear 
sound of the mizhaf, they become certain that they're going to perish. So the camels <coughs> have out of habit realized and learned that when they hear the mizhaf, they shall perish. Some of them will be taken to be slaughtered. And the mizhaf is a an instrument, a musical instrument, that is similar to the duf, and many of us know the duf. It is a frame drum, which is similar to the duf. However, it has jingles installed in it, in its frame, in its wooden frame. And these uh, jingles are what differentiate it from the duf. The duf is a frame drum that is very broad and shallow and does not have jingles attached to it, versus the mizhab, which does. And in Islam, <coughs> we are allowed, at times of celebration, to use the duf, the frame drum that we have just described. It does not have jingles in it, such as the day of Eid, such as to celebrate a wedding, and so on and so forth. Many rulings have actually been mentioned by the people of knowledge governing the use of the duf, but it is allowed in Islam, in fact even encouraged at certain times, such as in weddings, um, given that all the rulings pertaining to that are observed. However, al-Mizhab, on the other hand, the one that has the jingles attached to it, this is forbidden. This is not from the instruments that are allowed for Muslims to use, listen to, record, or what have you. A, um, a very common name for this type of instrument, the mizhab, is the tambourine. Some people call it the tambourine, although the you know, specifics of these instruments differ from place to place. So, if his camels heard the sound of the mizhab, they become certain that they're going to perish, meaning that they, some of them are going to be taken to be slaughtered. So again, she is praising her husband, praising him for his wealth, praising him for his generosity and his standing amongst his people due to his generosity and hospitality. And uh, we will stop right here by the permission of Allah, Taala, and we will save the best to the last, as we say. And that is the statement of the 11th woman. And she is the woman after which the hadith was named, the hadith of Ummi Zara, in reference to the 11th woman, who is Ummu Zara. And she, likewise, is from those who praised her husband. And, in fact, she went into great de detail praising her husband, such that her speech concerning her husband and her life with him is equal to all of the speech of the ten women that preceded her. She spoke at length about her husband and it seems that the last one to speak spoke the longest and Allah knows best and all praises to Allah and may the exaltations of Allah and his greetings and his blessings be upon the Messenger of Muhammad 
وعلى آله وصحبه and his family members and his companions in their entirety وجزاكم الله خيرا جميعا may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make what we have heard beneficial for us and a reason for his forgiveness and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to reward you all for listening and attending and likewise may Allah azza wa jalla give success to the brothers over at Masjid al-Bukhari and those responsible for arranging this and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward our brother Salam, for uh, kindly hosting this uh, talk and we ask Allah to accept from us and him Wa alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.